The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. John Gibbons is with us for our weekly environment spot and let's talk about the carbon impact of music concerts. Now, we'll get to the concert, Garrett Brooks itself, but I suppose what has captured a few people's eye and his tension is that he intends commuting to Kerry in between this weekend's concerts and next weekend's. He's flown in by private jet, which would imply maybe he's going to head, the reason he's picked Kerry is Farron 4 takes private jets. It looks like it, Matt. Yeah, uh, as you say, he landed in Dublin Airport and um, I think his base is going to be Kerry, which, is, as you say, has is, is got a pr- an airport uh, there, which is handy, obviously, for the, for the kingdom. And uh, I yeah. don't know he's commuting every day. I can't imagine with concerts Friday, Saturday and Sunday that while he's finishing at half ten, he's promised he will finish at Crow Park at half ten each night. He won't be getting on a flight at that time of night back down to Kerry. No, probably not. Well, well of course, with, with the private jet, the advantage of that is, of course, you can pretty much set your own schedule as long as you can get a slot in Dublin Airport, off you go. But I think we touched on it last week. Uh, there's a really, really big problem with, with private jets generally. The, the, the carbon emissions involved in them per person is simply off the charts. It, it, you know, the French government, as they are looking to actually bring, bring, bring this to the European Union and try and get some kind of restrictions on private jets. So I think you couldn't say, if you took, right, the 400,000 people, bless them, are going to go to Gard Brooks over the next uh, number of days. Now, if you add up, Matt, all the carbon footprints of all the people, all the travel and transport involved in that, typical. Now, again, I'm, I'm going to quote a study here. It's reckoned that the biggest impact in for concerts is, in fact, the fans' travel and their consumption. So, typically, depending on the concert and the location, between 86 and 97% of the carbon footprint of a typical concert is actually the fans. Now, that's not surprising because there's one, there's, you know, one act, there's maybe, you know, 100 roadies and so on uh, and you have 80,000 fans so of course their footprint is going to be much larger I think it's more about the messaging here and the messaging is basically I don't give a damn that's the problem I think that a lot of people are having with people you know like from Garth Brooks getting from the US to Dublin there's no issue with him flying on, on commercial aircraft so the idea that he needs to, it's not like Dublin is an exotic and unusual location. So choosing to bring your private aircraft over like that, it's really, it just, I think the signalling is all wrong. Really, we are in a, <laughs> we're in a climate emergency situation. Uh, okay, the jets are still flying, but I think that this sort of egregious consumption and, and egregious carbon emissions by high flyers like Garth Brooks, I think they send out the wrong signal to ordinary folks, Matt, who are really just wondering, they've been asked this winter to tighten their belts and so on, and you're looking at this type of, of kind of high, high-end behaviour, and I think it undermines, the best way I can put it, it undermines social solidarity on this, I really do. But listener says that actually apparently he's a committed environmentalist who's planted a lot of trees on his ranch in Texas. Right, yeah, this is the um, the so-called offsetting, which I think we probably will return we'll to. to we will, we'll come to it another day. What him, yeah, Brooks. and I think this is the thing that a lot of folks like Garth Brooks, they kind of want to have their carbon cake and eat it too. So they want to continue the high carbon, the high emissions, the high pollution lifestyle, and they also want to get a green star. So they do things like planting a bunch of trees. Now, there's nothing wrong with planting a bunch of trees. Do they offset It's better this? than not doing it's it. It's better than not doing it. But but again, and I don't want to uh, take over the, the show in that direction, Matt, today, but we will come back to it, I promise. But in reality, carbon offsetting uh, is really just a way for rich people to continue doing exactly as they please. Okay, we will come back to it. Yeah. But there's people saying like, well, what do you expect the people going to Garbrooks to do? Walk there rather than using their cars or coming by bus or 
train. Apparently, f- fewer than 20% of the Brooks tickets have been bought in the Dublin city area. So there's a massive commute coming from outside of Dublin. This is most unusual for an Irish concert. Extremely unusual. I heard the presenter, uh, or the promoter, I should say, on the radio the other morning, and he was giving the stats. I think uh, Tyrone, an enormous number of people, Monaghan and so on. And these are people obviously coming from the heartland. Now, this again, work has been done in this. Uh, the, the group Massive Attack, who are really, really into into the climate footprint of the music industry. They commissioned a study with the Tyndall Research for our Centre for Climate Research in the UK. And some of the things they recommended, Matt, are exactly what we've been talking about. They're encouraging artists to stop using private jets, number one. The second thing they say, for fans to get to the gigs, they should be looking primarily at public transport. Now, public transport, of course, that includes buses. It's much more efficient. Like, you get 40 or 60 or 80 people on a bus, that is extremely efficient. So, there are steps that people can take to reduce their footprint, and that would certainly be one of them. And location, for example, of festivals uh, in cities, uh, like Dublin, say, Croke Park, it is well served by public transport. All the main arteries of public transport from around the country, they do come to Dublin. Croke Park is an easy venue to get to. There, I've been there, I'm sure you've been there many many times. I've always travelled to Croke Park, uh, either on public transport and the rest of the journey on foot. The problem, of you course... You won't find a parking space near uh, Croke Well, Park of course, anyway. you wouldn't. I mean, nobody in the right mind would dream of bringing a car really into Dublin City anymore. Uh, it gets a little more problematic down the country. And for example, I was uh, probably along with a lot of other parents, I was uh, circling around Stradbally at, at one o'clock in the morning the other night, trying looking for teenagers to pick them up and bring them home. And that's a problem where you've got venues like that in the middle of nowhere, where there's really really quite difficult for in many cases to get there for people coming from all Did over the place. Did you see the rubbish in Strava? You didn't go in, no? No, no. Oh, I was, I was consigned strictly to, to uh, uh, collection duty. That's something we discussed the other day here yeah. on the programme actually with Martin Bean's ward. The amount of stuff that was just simply left behind. Yeah, it is. And it's a factor of our times, right? And, you know, I think it's easy to, to, to finger wag and say the young people are awful. Well, first of all, Matt, the conditions were atrocious. Many of the tents were destroyed. And the kind of tents we're talking about are rubbishy little pop-up tents, right? Now, uh, so I have some sympathy there. I genuinely do. Uh, I, I just kind of cast my mind back to the to the distant fog when I used to go to festivals in, in the likes of Lisden Varna. The thing at that time is that the cost of a tent meant that no matter what condition it was in, you dragged it home again. And that was simply a factor that at that time, simply those kind of things were vastly more expensive than they are now. Well, I, I wasn't going to tell this story. I might as well know. Hopefully she won't mind me telling it. My daughter was telling me that when they were heading back to a friend's car with their stuff on Monday, they suddenly started noticing all the cans of beer left around. And when I say cans of beer, I don't mean the cans of beer that have been opened and drunk, but they started seeing lots of cans just abandoned by people who had abandoned tents and stuff like that. Wow. So they started collecting them. Okay. And herself and her friends got, in the space of an hour, collected over 120 cans of unopened beer that had just been left behind. That's incredible. Well, I think some of the quotas, by the way, and again, my daughters uh, were telling me about this, the actual beer quotas, the number of cans you were allowed to bring in, it was something like 96. And they were saying, who on earth drinks that much? So I think you've just answered the question. I think people looked at the quotas, uh, piled up on them, dragged them in and then abandoned them. But yeah, wow. Uh, Again, maybe that's a a sign of the times as well, that the recession hasn't reached all the way down into County Leash. For all the people that are complaining about the price of drink and other things, the younger people and it was a younger audience than usual electric picnic 
where perhaps you were treating full, unopened cans of beer as disposable. That would never have happened in my era. We never would have allowed drink to go to waste like that. I think, I think exactly we would have, we would have literally wrung it out of the carpet mat uh, once upon a time and made sure it was all drunk. And staying on the festival thing, earlier this year, uh, we had a big festival in Glastonbury, 200,000 people. That was back in June. Now, Glastonbury, they reckon it produces 2,000 tonnes of waste, but their claim for what it's worth is that it is actually a carbon positive festival. And again, like our friends earlier, Garth and his forest, uh, these guys are planting lots of trees, right? And uh, their claim is that they've planted 10,000 trees and this basically makes it okay. Now, that's a little bit cynical. They have done a lot of steps like eliminating single single plastic use. Uh, and also, a, a final little tidbit, Matt, I thought on Glastonbury, they claim that they save 10 times the amount of water that the people attending Glastonbury would have used if they were at home because, of course, there they are stinking away for three or four days uh, and they reckon they saved uh, no showers. They reckon they saved 10 times the amount of water. John Gibbons, we had planned to talk about carbon offsets. We'll do that in greater detail next week and we'll also talk about zebra crossings. But for now, John Gibbons, thank you for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.